Welcome to the Mixed Movement, where we speak candidly about the uncommon commonalities that people of mixed race face in our world today. Here, we listen, share, learn, and acknowledge that through our stories, we are all connected. We are your hosts, me, Chris, and Rachel Go. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. I am here with Sabrina Johnson. She is one of the moderators from the Unapologetically Biracial group on Facebook. Um, We are going to get to know Sabrina a little bit better and learn a little bit more about the mission. Sabrina, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining Can you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself? Where are you from? Where do you live now? And what about your your group has really sparked you? Sure. So I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. I was born there. I lived there until I was about eight or nine and then with both of my parents. And they separated and I moved to my mom's hometown, which was a very small, more rural, predominantly white town. And there were very few people of color, especially there were no mixed race people. So later on in my life, that's a lot of what drove me to starting the Facebook group, just because I really had never had a sense of community amongst other multiracial people. When I was 19, I moved to Los Angeles for college, and that was very eye-opening for me. My first college roommate was also biracial, and I think that was one of the first times as an adult that I even encountered another biracial person. Uh-huh. And I still live here. I've been here for 14 years. It's a, it's a great city. That's amazing. Let's go back a little bit into your childhood, and can you tell me a little bit about your the smaller community that you lived in? And is was there a time in particular when you felt pretty alone? Yeah, I would say all throughout my life growing up in that small town, because like I said, there were no multiracial people. Well, actually, there were two. I think there were two um, guys who were mixed race, but they were a few years younger than me and they were friends with my brother. Um, so that's how I knew them. So it was really nice for him because he did have some other mixed race people to kind of grow up with and they're still close friends of his. But for me, I think in my graduating class, there was one Asian kid and one Latina girl and that was it. Everyone else was white and me. Um, so there were no other black people. I think there were maybe two other black people in my entire high school, all four years. But in my my class, I was the only one. And it was definitely very isolating. I went through a lot of like bullying, um, a lot of very extreme racism that I'm still in therapy dealing with today. So it was definitely a very isolating experience. But at the end of the day, I think it definitely made me a stronger person. And I think a lot of that is what, again, motivated me to start the Facebook group because once I started it and I was hearing so many stories that sounded so much like mine, and I honestly thought I was alone. Like in my experiences, I thought it was just me. And then, you know, talking to, you know, thousands of people who have had the same experience, it's, it was definitely very eye-opening. It made me feel a lot less alone. Absolutely. I think that's that is so wildly important when you find a need for something and you are strong enough to to fill that 
for other people. How long ago did you create the group? So the Facebook group was started in, I believe, 2020. Um, It was started after the BLM protests, which was a lot of what prompted me to start the group. I, here in Los Angeles, where I live, we had curfews and the police were everywhere. And there was a lot of clashing amongst protesters and police. It was very scary. And I had been to multiple protests and, you know, I'd been tear gassed. I had had a lot of really frightening things happen to me. I was yeah. at that protest that a lot of people, I think, saw in the news that was at the Fairfax district in yeah. Los Angeles. Um, I am a small business owner. My business was literally at the epicenter of it. So it was kind of interesting Sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but as a business owner, um, to be on the side of like, I don't want my shop to get looted. Um, but at the same time I was also, you know, there protesting against the police. But like I said, I had been tear gassed. I had had friends who had been injured pretty badly. I had had friends that gotten hit with rubber bullets. So it was, it was definitely a scary time. And I remember asking some friends of mine to go to the grocery store with me because I was just like afraid to go anywhere at that point. I had asked a few of my friends to go to the grocery store with me because I was, I was very scared. And I had asked a couple of my friends who are black women and they very much minimized my fears and told me that I am light skinned. So therefore I didn't have a reason to be afraid. And they were a lot more likely to have something happen to them and that it was almost offensive of me to even like be concerned. And then I asked a few of my white friends and they got very defensive and they were like, you know, do you think that everyone is racist? Like, and it was, it was like, yeah, it was a very interesting time to pinpoint because that was, I don't think I had felt that alone and kind of out of the box. I mean, um, in several that years, will make you feel extremely yeah, isolated in your world. Yeah, you very have that isolated. Support. Absolutely, and so I didn't really know where to turn at that point. So that is a lot of what prompted me to start the group because I just felt like I really was lacking a community that really understood me, and. I just wanted to connect with other people who kind of had had the same experiences. And like I said, once I started the group, I realized a lot of people had had very similar experiences. Wow. What happened next while navigating through that, that time in, in where you were, like, how did you proceed to live your daily life feeling like you don't have any support from your friends that you are around. How, how was life for you? Did you, were you comfortable going out and going to the grocery store alone or did you, what, what happened next? For Honestly, you? I did a lot of Instacart for a couple of days yeah. um, and a lot of food delivery just because, and again, this probably was also trauma from, you know, being involved in a very violent protest. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't go out a ton for a few days and I did find a couple of my friends who were a lot more supportive. Ironically, it was one of my friends who's Asian, who was the most supportive. Um, I guess not kind of going through that dichotomy of, you know, black or white, but yeah, it was, it was definitely an interesting time. And I, I did move past it. Like I said, I have a therapist and we kind of broke it down and helped me navigate through that situation, but it was hard for a while for sure. Well, I'm really proud of you for taking something so traumatic and turning it into something so beautiful, such as this community that you've created. That how do, do you know how many members do you have exactly? About, I think we're around 1,800. 
That's amazing. I want to say, yeah, it's, it's wild because when I started it, I was just posting about it in another Facebook group I'm in that was predominantly for young women in the LA area. And they started inviting friends. And so for a long time, it was a lot of people that I, I kind of knew of or had very similar beliefs to me. And then it grew and it's now to the point where we're getting people that were not involved in any of the other groups I was in, people who just kind of go through the search engine and find it, which has right. been really, really interesting. And it's it's great because we have, it's a very diverse community. At this point, we have a lot of people from all over the world. I think we have like 40 something countries, members from 40 something countries. And That's amazing. Yeah, it's just a really diverse group of people. And I think the most interesting thing for me has been that my experiences are so much similar to multiracial people of completely different races than me than they are to monoracial Arab, black or white people, because that's my Mm -hmm. personal racial mix. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that multi as multiracial people, we just have a very unique experience. And I think that's definitely been the coolest part of the for me for sure. Hi, I'm Rachel Goh. It is my mission in life to help people like you learn to love every aspect of themselves in order to attain the life of their dreams. If you are ready to live a life free of fears and land that dream job or go travel the world or whatever your dreams may be, message me at coachrachelgoh at gmail.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-R-A-C-H-A-E-L go at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at live empowered now. There's nothing more powerful than loving the person you see in the mirror every day because courage starts within. Absolutely. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about why you decided to name it unapologetically biracial? That's a very firm and strong word, and that grabbed my attention when I when I found your page. Yeah, so I had for a little bit of time, I had been trying to find a group specifically for mixed race people on Facebook. And I joined a couple, I don't even remember the names, but the first one, it was very much kind of wanting people to feel shame if they had a white parent. And yeah, it was very interesting. And then another one I was in felt very anti-black and really, yeah. And I just, I felt like it wasn't, there wasn't one that was just accepting of everyone, no matter what your racial mix is, no matter what your experience is. And I felt like I had been apologizing in all of these groups. Like it was kind of like you had to apologize for being biracial and not just within Facebook, but in my life, I've had so many experiences where I felt like I've kind of had to minimize myself or that I had to apologize for my racial background. And so I was like, you know what, (laughs) I'm going to start this group because I don't want anyone to have to feel like they have to apologize or kind of back down on their racial identity. So yeah, that's why I chose, chose the word unapologetically. I'm not going to lie. That definitely brought tears to my eyes because I feel (laughs) that so much. I, I can relate. I've always felt like I've, I've not belonged or had to apologize or make excuses as well for being 
simply who I am, not not by choice necessarily. So thank you for that clarification. Yeah, I think and I was just going to say, I, I agree with you 100%. I've had a lot of experiences where I feel like um, I've had to shy away from my racial experience or try to minimize my identity. Um, I don't know if, if you knew this, but I was actually in a YouTube video a few years ago for Jubilee. They do a lot of like social justice kind of type of videos. And they okay. the one I was in was called Spectrum. So it was one of those where they have this line and they make a statement and you kind of walk to a different side of the room depending on if you agree or disagree with the statement they had made. And I was in the first episode and it was called Do All Black People Think the Same? And they very specifically sought me out because they wanted to have a biracial black mm-hmm. person there. So I was the only one that was biracial. And I remember talking to the director and the producer beforehand a little bit and explaining that I hadn't really grown up with a lot of black culture or amongst a lot of black people. So I wasn't sure if I was necessarily the right person that they wanted. And they were very specific that they wanted someone who was mixed race. They wanted to show the spectrum that, you know, you were still black regardless of your where you grew up, et cetera. And so I did the video and it was interesting for the most part. Every, the other participants were really, really cool to me, but afterwards it got really bad, like in the comment section from both black and white people, like it turned basically the comment section just turned into an argument, whether I was black or not. And very critical of um, the fact that one of the questions they asked us was, do you like fried chicken? Which it was so, to me, the lowest common denominator and something God. so trivial to say about black people. Like there weren't any really deep questions. So I was a little bit annoyed at whoever wrote that. Right. Understandably so. Yeah. And I have a very sensitive stomach, so I don't really eat fried food. And I also try to be pretty healthy. So I said that I disagreed that I loved it. And I got like crucified in the comment section. Like people were saying I'm not really black because I, I said I don't really eat fried chicken. I don't either because I'm a vegetarian, <laughs> but I'm also black. So <laughs> it was so wild. And I just wow, felt like, and this happened um, before I started the group, but just in that moment, I felt like, you know, and I was kind of getting in the comment section and like trying to defend myself. And I felt like, I really felt like in that moment, I really had to just apologize for who I was. And like, people were saying, like, people were calling me albino because of my skin tone. Green, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. And like they ended up having to take my Instagram because they had all of our social medias on. They ended up having to take my Instagram off because people were like sending me like harassing DMs and like demanding that I, you know, show proof to them somehow that one of my parents is black and like my father is unbelievable. Very obviously black. But that was another thing that I think in hindsight, probably drove me to starting the group is I just, I've, and I've had not as extreme experiences like that, but I have had some experiences where I really felt that I had to apologize or kind of shy away from who I was or, um, on the flip side, I've had to defend myself so much and literally have been in so many situations where I've had to show a photo of my father. (laughs) Um, that's, I can relate to that completely. And it's, unreal. Yeah. So I think, you know, just having different situations like that 
you know, is a lot of what drove me to wanting to start the group and to name it unapologetically because, you know, we shouldn't have to defend ourselves. We shouldn't have to apologize for who we are. We are human beings with feelings just like everyone else. And none of us chose to be born the color that we were. And, you know, it's not something that anyone should have to apologize for. I think it's something that people should be proud of and should embrace. I can't agree more. And I think that is so important. And I think that's something that most people don't realize. And this is why we, my my siblings and I have started this podcast is similar, parallel to, to your experiences that is the, the older we get, the more we, we meet people who are multiracial. And we do have the same experiences. And we have had to answer the same questions. And it's kind of crazy when you realize the capacity that this happens in the world today. Oh my gosh, I get asked like I probably at least once every two weeks, what am I? Like people will just come up to me like, what are you? <laughs> well, how do you respond to that? That's that's a good question. That's one of my favorite questions. How do you respond to that, Sabrina? I think now that I'm an adult, I'm a little bit sassier with it. Honestly, when I was a teenager or when I was younger, it used to make me, and even in my early 20s, it used to make me very uncomfortable. And I would, you know, kind of fall into myself a little bit. And I'd be like, oh, you know, my father is black and my mother's white. And, but now I am a lot more bold. So I will usually just look them straight in the eye and be like a human, a woman, good for you, small business owner. Sister, yes, daughter, what are you asking? And yep. it's funny because I'll get one of two, um, one of two responses. Usually they'll be like, well, where are you from? And I'll say, you know, I'm from New York. And they're like, but where are you really from? But where, yes. New York. Where are your parents from? They're also both from New York. But like, <laughs> where? Yep. Where? And then they'll be like, what is your race? What is your background? Um, and then I'll, I'll answer. And honestly, I've had people ask me in a very respectful way, which I don't mind. Um, I had a woman a few months ago come up to me and she had a, obviously she was a white woman, but she had a very obviously mixed race child with her. And uh-huh. she just came up to me and said, you know, I don't mean to be rude, but I just wanted to ask, are you multiracial? And I said, I was, and her daughter was kind of behind her. And she just said, you know, would you mind just like saying hi to my daughter? She doesn't really see a lot of mixed race people like her. And that was fine. And if people ask me that, and like, even if they're not with kids, obviously, but if someone asks me in a very kind way, I'll respond a lot kinder. But um, when people just ask, what are you? It's a a weird question for sure. Yes. I I mean, I would, I I guess I would never in my mind, like, okay, that for me, like walk up to a person on the street and just be like, hey, what are you? I mean, you look different than everybody else or because those questions I find sometimes when they are premised in that way, it's it feels like they're ridiculing. Yeah, but straight off the bat, even regardless of how they're framed, unless to me, at least unless there's a very specific reason, like I understood the mother with her daughter, but I don't really understand why anyone cares. Like I see people all the time on the street and I can't, you know, I don't know what their race is or whatever. And it's just it's not my business (laughs) to be honest. Right. So I'm just like, you know, it's it's weird, but I think that as human beings, we are very much um accustomed to putting things in boxes. 
And I like to give this example. I remember when I was a little kid, we had to do like very young, probably like pre-K and they would give us like, you know, a chicken and then like three different vegetables. And they were like, okay, we'll pick the one that's different. That's outside of the box. And I always was like, oh, I'm I'm the chicken in in this scenario. (laughs) Because I'm always always the one that that doesn't really fit in the box. Um, And that's how I've been my whole life. But yeah, it's definitely. I I understand that completely. You know that which one of these things is not like the other? Yeah, and it was always like, me. Me. <laughs> it's like it's me, and you know I think it's yes. a lot different these days. There are a lot more interracial couples, and a lot more. I see pretty obviously mixed race kids all the time running around, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was born in 1988, and there were not a ton um, at that mm-hmm. time. I remember, you know, my parents dealt with some some things being an interracial couple in the eighties and you know, it's, it's definitely, I think the world is a lot more accepting these days, which makes me very happy, but yeah, you know, talking to a lot of other mixed race or biracial, I never know which, which word to use because I, uh, I'm technically (laughs) triracial, but you are, yeah, but yeah, I just think talking to a lot of other mixed race adults, you know, it's interesting, but yeah, it's actually a really crazy story we found out just a few years ago that we're actually part Syrian through really? yeah, through a DNA testing. So that was really interesting because I thought my whole life I was just black and white, but it turns out I'm also um, pretty heavily Arab. So that's also been an interesting wow. journey. Yeah. And that was just, just recently. Yeah. Just in the last few years, like two years ago, I would say. So I'm very curious, has that affected the way that you view yourself it has honestly it's it's interesting because what we find out is that my grandpa wasn't actually my biological grandfather which so it was that was a big family you know thing to come out as well it's been interesting because my mom I think it was more of a of a identity crisis for my mom because she's now like well do I identify as biracial uh (laughs) because she's she's white and Arab but you know, she's lived most of her life as a white woman. She's very white presenting. So she, she says it would feel a little bit inauthentic to start identifying as mixed race now when she's in her sixties. But for me, I would say it's been interesting. I still have yet to meet that part of the family. My family back home have gotten to know them, but I have not had the opportunity because I haven't been back home Um, since COVID kind of not ended, but was a little bit safer. The last time I was home was in 2020. So I have not yet met them to my knowledge. They don't really follow the Arabic traditions very well. So I don't know how much of that I would learn from them, but it's definitely something that I've been looking into and learning on my own. I've been doing a lot of research and I have a couple of friends who are from the Syria, Lebanon area so I've been kind of trying to learn some of the traditions and some of the cooking styles through them. So that's been really interesting. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely been a journey. When I look at my I do, I've done twenty three and me and ancestry, and when I look at the little wheel of all the colors, it's like a, a nice little rainbow. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing that you are fully embracing it. Fully. Yeah. I mean going, especially for something 
later in life. This isn't something that you learned when you were 13. No, no. This is is new and you're diving into it. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I learned when I – I think I was like 30 when I found out. Um, I'm 34 now. So, yeah, it was – it was definitely an eye-opening experience, but I, I'm very much a firm believer in that you should be proud of who you are fully, your whole identity. And I am, you know, I'm very proud of, of my heritage. My, uh, on my father's side, they were, my ancestors were slaves who bought their own freedom from slavery. And, you know, on my mom's side, they were Italian immigrants. And now I know also Syrian immigrants, um, you know, at a time when Americans weren't super kind to Arab, I mean, they're still not very kind to Arab people, but at a time when they were not very kind to Italians, especially. So yeah, yeah, I just, you know, I'm very proud of that. And I want to embrace my whole identity for sure. I think that's honestly, truly inspiring. Thank you. I appreciate it for a lot of people because yes, we're born with learning. It's, it's funny. I sometimes speak about my story of the world happened to me. Like I, I, I was given this knowledge when I was a little girl and then, and then I went into school and then I had the questions and then the world happened to me that made me acknowledge, I guess, or feel, I shouldn't say acknowledge, but feel like I was different. I love that the world happened to me. It's very true. I really resonate with that because I had the exact same experience. Yes. But you have, you, you went 30 years. Yeah with this identity yeah. and you, you are, you are then added another. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> Awareness of another and you're diving into it. And I think that is completely inspiring. I, mean, it's, I think it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful culture too. The Syria. It's, it it's interesting because they're my, my uh, family on that side, they're from Syria, but doing the ancestry, it, it tells me predominantly Lebanese, but I know that those borders have, you know, moved around over the centuries and everything. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely something that I'm trying to dive into and like I said it's a beautiful culture and you know there's a lot of really really inspiring things about the Arab culture so I'm I'm trying to learn as best I can for sure. I think that's absolutely something to be proud of Thank you. on several levels. I do have a couple more questions to yeah. ask you. So I think that we already covered what was what was unique about your upbringing, but is there any particular moment in your upbringing that you did find or feel was unique? Was there was there a story or a moment when the world happened to you? <laughs> uh, I think a lot of it had to do with my hair growing up. Okay. I, I grew up with my mother for the most part, and she's white, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, and had like no idea what to do with my hair. And so, you know like god bless her we would drive an hour to buffalo to go to black hair salons because there were none (laughs) in you know my town or anyone near my anywhere near my town um so -hmm. we would drive to buffalo and she would you know try to have them style my hair different ways and I think I started relaxing my hair when I was like 12 just because like it was easier like no no I lived yeah, that life too. Like, I didn't know what to do. I was like constantly like crying, you know, in the yeah. in the bathroom trying to figure out what to do and you know, my mom didn't know what to do and I remember she once like flat irons became a little more mainstream, she bought me one of those and you know, I started getting my hair relaxed. So I think that was definitely a very defining moment is that I really didn't even know anything about how to how to manage my hair probably until I I right. moved out to LA to be honest. Um, 
Really? Yeah, because I, I was getting my hair relaxed up until I was maybe like 21 or 22. And the wildest part is my hair is not even that like curly. <laughs> like I was under the impression that I had this like crazy afro because I yeah, the same way and, too. And I, and I, do, yeah, I don't. Yeah, and it's so funny. And I was getting my hair done by a new stylist when I was maybe like 21 or 22. And she was like, you know, your hair is like, you don't have to relax it. Like you could get the same effect if you wanted just by blowing it out. And I was like, oh, there's what? no way. There's no way. It's so coarse. And she's like, just like, don't do it for like a year or two and we'll see. And she's like, your hair's going to go a lot more healthy. And it did. And it's like wild because it's, and I haven't relaxed it in over like 10 years now, but it's just crazy. Cause it's like now when I let it air dry, it's like not even that curly, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It takes one person to bring yeah, that to your attention. Yeah, but I definitely... <laughs> Who knows? I think that was a defining. No yeah, fair. that was definitely a pretty... That was probably the biggest struggle for me, I would say. I'm trying to think if there was any, like, very, like, you know, quote-unquote, come-to-Jesus moment. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Well, it... That's that's actually... It doesn't seem like a like a big deal or a defining constant moment or what you what how would you put that it doesn't seem like it would be like an aha really a defining act of your life I think what what was pretty influential to me is I kind of had to build my own identity um so I I got Mm -hmm. I got really into rock music I was like a hardcore emo kid for a long time I'm still probably a little, a so little bit I. of an emo kid. I love it. I just went to an emo brunch oh. on Sunday, actually, with a couple of my friends. Yeah. Did you? Yes. <laughs> so, I love it. That's amazing. We're, we're emo adults now. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I yes. think that was a, a very defining kind of phase for me. And actually, I don't want to say emo is a phase. It's not a phase, mom. Um, but <laughs> yes. it's, a <laughs> it's a lifestyle. <laughs> but that kind of was the only place that I felt I got any acceptance was in that in that scene because it was just a bunch of people who didn't really like fit in or belong. And so I would go to these like mm-hmm. rock shows and, you know, no one cared what color your skin was, what your hair looked like. Like it was very much just, you know, be who you want to be. You're yeah. So Welcome. I think yeah. that in hindsight, looking back was kind of my way of just defining my own identity because yes. I felt like I was always, you know, there was always someone telling me what my identity had to be. Like it was, it was very pointed out to me very much. So when I was growing up that I was, you know, different than all the white kids and, you know, everyone made that very apparent. I was treated very differently by teachers and friends, parents, and the other kids. So that was very obvious, but I also had some experiences with my father's side of the family because they lived out of state. So I didn't see them as often, but they were kind of trying to tell me that I wasn't really black. So I, you know, had kind of been in that tug of war, that a little internal duality for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I think kind of getting into the rock music scene was my way of just, you know, defining myself as I wanted to be. Good for you. I I know, I know that that is typically people may not see that as, a, a community, yeah. but I also was very. Oh much my god, an emo. it was such a you know a little MySpace emo community for sure. Totally, and, I met- and it was all love yeah. and acceptance because you know it's it. I mean, emo. It's emotions, and, and we're not here to talk about the color of our skin. We're here to feel things because we yeah, do. Yeah, and for 
from my experience, it was a lot of the like outcast kind of kids that were like in the, the misfits right. that were part mm. of that community. And I made a lot of like really cool friends, like some of whom I'm still friends with today, kind of in that community. That's amazing. But yeah, I think that was probably a defining moment was just me kind of defining myself as I wanted to be, as opposed to having someone else tell me. And I think I also wanted a a way to define myself that didn't have to do with my racial background because, and I, and yeah. I still feel this way as an adult that I think when you're mixed race, so much of your identity is just based on that. Whereas I don't really feel yes. like monoracial people have that same experience. Like they're, you know, mm-hmm. that's not their, defi- their number one defining characteristic isn't their background, but when you're, you're mixed race, it is. So I think I just also wanted to kind of be involved in a community that wasn't just based on my race. Like I wanted to also be seen as, as a a person. (laughs) Yeah. I think, and ultimately that's what we should be viewed as because we are, we are, we are all part of the same race. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. One more question for you. What do you most want to share with the world and why? What is the legacy that you want to leave behind overall? I would say that I really want people to know first and foremost that we're all human beings. We all have feelings. We all have our own personalities. And it doesn't necessarily have to be defined by race. It doesn't have to be defined by, you know, you listen to this specific genre of music and therefore you're associated with this culture because Lord knows I got called white girl enough times growing up because of the music I listened to. Um, (laughs) but I would just say that, you know, we're all human beings and we're all unique and we're all individual and that's okay. And I think that we can all be there for each other and stand up for each other because that's something I see a lot is what I like to call the oppression Olympics where, you know, Oh, I have it worse than this person. And, So therefore I can't Mm. feel empathy for this person. And I really feel like something that I, a a value that I hold really dear is that I hold space for everyone's, everyone's trauma and everyone's oppression. I don't think that some are necessarily worse than others. I mean, obviously some are, but I think that you can hold space for everyone and everyone's trauma without kind of having to compare it to your own. And, you know, outside of trauma, I just think it's important to hold space for everyone because, you know, every single person, regardless of the color of their skin, has gone through trials and tribulations and, you know, has been through highs and lows. And I think that, you know, we can all be a little bit kinder to each other and a little bit, just a little bit more open-minded to each other. And I think that that's you know, a value I learned from my family. That's a value I grew up with. And it's a value that I, like I said, I hold very near and dear to my heart is just, you know, allowing people to be. Yes. I think that that is what the world needs. Yeah. So much of, I think that is beautiful. In regards to the unapologetically biracial group, I think the legacy that I would like to leave for that group is just really trying to help other people. Um, you know, we have parents of biracial kids in there and I've gotten messages from some of them telling me how just having a way to connect to other mixed race adults has completely changed the way they talk to their children, the way they parent, 
we've done, you know, community outreach with the Facebook group. We did a self-defense class for members of the AAPI community. We've done picnics and get-togethers for Loving Day, which a lot of people don't know, but that was the day that interracial marriage was legalized. Yeah, it was a court case, um, which, yes, which um, allowed interracial marriage. And so we've had celebrations for that. And we've done meetups and we're planning on having more meetups and get togethers and community events in the future. So I think the legacy that I would like to leave specifically with that group is just hoping to open the world's eyes to, you know, the, the experiences that we go through, because it's difficult sometimes and it's also so unique and wonderful sometimes. And I just really hope that I can make things a little bit easier for other people like me, because there have been a lot of times in my life where, you know, because I'm a mixed race person, I didn't feel that I had a community. I didn't have people supporting me through my very unique experiences. And I really hope that there are people in that group and members of that group that really do feel supported and, feel like they have a place where they're allowed to be seen and heard and they can be loud and proud about their identity and who they are. And, um, I really just hope that it it helps people at the end of the day. Sabrina, I will tell you that I'm a member and it's, it's been, honestly, it's been really refreshing commenting on certain questions that you post that get your get your mind thinking, but um, I know that you posted a question: What is unique about being mm-hmm. biracial? What have you found is unique about it? And I commented: it, I feel like it's a superpower, and that for the first time in my life, I felt like, oh yeah, actually, now that I think about it, it kind of is a superpower because we're everything. I do. Um, or we're multiple. I do want to clarify that that was probably Karen because she, it was actually her idea okay. to start doing those questions. So I definitely want to give her credit because she is yes. um, another moderator that's been with me for a while. And those were definitely her ideas. So I want to give credit where credit's due. And I've, I've started to think of some of my own questions but we really, um, we kind of collectively wanted to do something that would help us to connect because, yeah. Well, thank <laughs> yeah. you, Karen. Shout out for to that Karen. <laughs> because it's working. She is a co-mod and she is a lifesaver. Honestly, she, I, I want to thank her so much. Hopefully you can talk to her sometime soon because she is fantastic. Yes. But yeah, I, I think that Those questions are really great because we do, for those who aren't in the group, is we will post a few questions a week, kind of just, you know, asking open-ended questions to the group about the experience being a a mixed race, biracial, multiracial, however anyone wants to identify a person. And it's interesting because I think you'll look through the answers and so many are so similar. And it it will be, you know, someone who Mm -hmm. is you know, mixed black and Latin talking to someone who is, you know, Asian and Latin talking to someone who is Arab and white. And it's all very similar regardless of the, of the mix. So I think that's been a great way to connect. Amazing. It's, it's been so wonderful to feel like there is a place for for us. So thank of you. Of course, thank you. For all that you do and all that you've done and all that you're going to continue to do because you really are helping a lot thank of people. Thank you so much. So I really appreciate you. that. That means a lot. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you're it welcome. too. It's been so nice to talk thank to you. you for- <laughs>
<laughs> you too. I uh, seriously yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Um, it's been so wonderful to get to know you a little bit more, and you are a truly beautiful thank person. Thank you. You're gonna make out. me cry. I thank really you. appreciate that. That's so sweet of no. you to say. <laughs> thank you. I, I have to say what I thank feel. <laughs> All right, Sabrina, thank you, thank you, thank you again for your time. And it's been wonderful speaking with you. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We want to be here for you, and we can't do what we're doing without your support. Please hit subscribe, and to stay up to date, head on over to mixmovement.com. That's M-I-X-D. M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T dot com to stay up to date with news and more. We are The Mixed Movement. See you next time.